Christ, that was just a little sneak peek to give you a little hint of what is to come starting next week as we launch into our Advent series. As we start to focus on holidays, we've got Thanksgiving coming up, and I know we have a number of our members who are traveling today that I've heard from, um, and we are excited to have some folks back. Uh, Miss Kennedy Clark is back from Grand Canyon University, so we're excited to have her this morning. And it's just a fun time of the year as we get to see some folks that we haven't seen for a while. So with that in mind, uh, next week we will transition into our five-week Advent series. And then once we've completed that, we'll go ahead and pick back up with the second half of our Ephesians series. So for today, we will be doing part five of our Ephesians series. And we are, we are unpacking Ephesians and talking about how we see our identity through Jesus Christ in this letter to the church at Ephesus. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how you and I see each other. It's not even about how we see ourselves. It's how Christ sees us. And that's what we're looking at. And that's what we're talking about. And that's the, the, the big picture that I want you guys to get from all of this is how do I see myself the way that Christ sees me? How do I see myself as a son or daughter of God, as opposed to how the world sees me, or maybe even how I see myself in all of my sinfulness and all of my brokenness. And we're going to continue with that thought and that line of thinking here today as we look at Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about this idea of immeasurably more. <coughs> so the big idea is that God wants you to have immeasurably more. And I love that word immeasurable. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our grasp. But what we have to take a hard look at is what exactly is it that he wants us to have more of? More of what? See, we live in a world of more. We always want more. Well, that's great. But what else can I get? We want more. Well, what is it that we are trying to find more of. And maybe some of these pictures will resonate with you. Is it that we need a bigger house? I need more house. I need that big, impressive house that when people drive by, they go, wow, I wonder who lives in that house. Is it money that we're chasing after? Just got to make more money. If I could just work more, if I can just get that promotion, I need more money so I can buy more things so that I can buy houses and cars and yachts. Yes, that's actually a yacht. That's not a cruise ship, which is what I thought it was. But what is it that you're searching for more of? Because here's what happens. When we focus on these things, they can be consuming. When we focus on these things, this is what we're filling our hearts and our minds with. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with wanting a better life. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about, do these things consume us at the cost of the things that God wants you to have more of? See, we have to make room in our hearts and in our minds for the things that God wants us to have more of. But see, we fill ourselves up with all of this other stuff, right? And then God can't find the place to put it. Because we're so busy and so consumed with the things that we want more of. So that's what we're going to look at today. Is what are we being told? What does Paul want us to have more of? And that's what we're going to look at. This, this, this letter to the church at Ephesus, it, it's, a, it's kind of a love letter. 
he's talking about how much he loves these people and how he wants the best for these people. And despite his circumstances, despite the fact that Paul is sitting in prison, he wants them to know that they are loved and that they are cared for. So he writes this letter. Now keep in mind, these letters were directed to an individual church, so to speak, but they were designed to be read aloud. Because remember, a lot of people couldn't even read at this time. But not only were they designed to be read aloud, but they were designed to be shared amongst the other churches and amongst the other Christians in other places. So we, we can't just think, okay, this was just Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. This was Paul's, Paul's word to all of the Christians at this time. And guess what? It's his word to you and I as well. It's his word to you and I. There are so many great things that we can take from this, even though it was written 2,000 and something years ago. So if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app, or however you like to look at Scripture, I want to encourage you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 14. So Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Because I not only want you to hear the words, I want you to see the words. And I want you to understand the words. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So now, if you've been with us for a few weeks, you know that a couple weeks ago, we talked about Paul's powerful prayer. Well, here he goes again, and he's just... He's so consumed and he's so overwhelmed that he decides to bust out into prayer again. Now, I want you to notice something because it would be really easy to miss this. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, it would be really easy to read that passage and go, people kneel all the time in prayer. But again, you got to remember the context of what we're talking about. At this time, in Jewish culture, you stood in prayer. That's how they prayed. They stood up to acknowledge God. The times that we see in the Bible that it specifically tells us that they kneeled were big things. They were important things. They, they were, it was Solomon at the temple dedication. It was Stephen in his martyrdom. It was Paul in his farewell to Jerusalem. And it was Christ in the garden just before the end of his time on earth. So Paul, this is here for a reason, and we have to pick up on these things, that he kneeled. That tells you that what's to follow is really important, and it's really from the heart, because he, he got down on his knees and prayed. And some of you say, well, I get down on my knees and pray every night. And yes, that is the culture that we live in. It's very common for people to kneel in prayer. But at this time, this would have been something that would have gotten their attention to say, he was kneeling in prayer. He was bowing down before God. As we continue with verse 15, it says, From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So he's opening up his prayer. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So what's Paul praying for here? He's praying that we would get strength and power. He doesn't pray, I pray that you'll all get money. I pray that you'll all get houses. I pray that you'll all get yachts and cars. No, he says, my prayer for you is that you'll get strength and power through the Holy Spirit. Strength and power is what Paul starts out asking for, for these people. And I love that he's praying for these people that he's not with. That he's writing this prayer out. Because there can be something powerful about writing a prayer. We've talked about this in the past. That sometimes when people are in need of prayer, it can be powerful to do things like email them a prayer. It can be powerful to text them a prayer. 
Because then they have it in front of them. And they can read those words over and over again. When they're in need, when they're feeling weak, when they're feeling vulnerable, they can go back to see that prayer that you wrote out for them. And it can be very, very powerful. But Paul's asking them, I want you to have power. And I want you to have strength through the Spirit. I love this quote that I ran across this week as I was preparing this lesson. It says, the longest journey you'll ever make is the journey from your head to your heart. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because physical distance, what are we talking here? About a foot and a half, maybe two feet, depending on how tall you are. Maybe for somebody like Bruce, who's really tall. But that journey from your head to your heart. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about when he says, through the Spirit. Because see, it's not enough just to know it. It's not enough just to hear it. We have to internalize that and send it to our heart. Because you can know what the Bible says, and you can quote the scriptures all day long, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus in your heart, you're still missing the mark. You're still missing the mark. Because we've got to internalize all of this, and we've got to take it to our heart. There are so many things in life that we know with our heads, but we don't act it out with our hearts. And you could probably think of an example or two of things that you know better. You know, I shouldn't do this. And what do we do? We do it anyway. Because there's a disconnect between our heads and our hearts. And what Paul is saying is, we, we got to connect the dots here. We can't just know these things. It's got to be in our heart. And that's a lot of what we talked about in the Bible when we talk about the Pharisees, right? They knew the law, right? They knew what it said but they didn't practice it. They didn't internalize it. They didn't live it out. They didn't show it to others. And that's what we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There it is. In your hearts. He doesn't say just know it, just read it. He says it's got to be in your heart. It says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, there's that word rooted. I love that word rooted because it's all about our foundation. Last week we talked about the cornerstone and we talked about the foundation and we talked about how without that foundation, without that cornerstone, we couldn't build a solid church. We couldn't build a solid structure. We couldn't build a solid life. Well, we're talking about the same thing. We got to have roots. We got to be rooted in the scripture. We got to be rooted in the spirit. And when we do that, then we're doing exactly what God has in mind for us. And I love the so that. Remember, when you see so that, that's an action word, right? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. See, we've been talking throughout the book of Ephesians about being in him or about being in Christ and about Christ being in us. And Paul's reminding us of that here again in chapter 17, is that he can dwell in our hearts. Verse 18 says, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. There's the word power again. Like we always joke about, right? When it's said multiple times, it's probably going to be on the test. He's reminding us again about this thing of power because he knows that we need God's power to do immeasurably more. We need God's power to have immeasurably more. 
Because God is able to do way more than you and I can do. But we got to tap into that power, and that's exactly what Paul is telling them. He's saying, look, you don't have to do this on your own. Lean on God. Lean on God's power, and his prayer is that they receive that power. Which is why he says this over and over again. And I love that he says how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. A lot of you will recognize this picture. This is the Grand Canyon. I think this is called a Horseshoe Canyon or something to that effect. Because the river kind of makes a horseshoe. But, but I got to thinking about this idea of how deep and how wide is the love of Christ. And I got to thinking about going to the Grand Canyon when I was very little. But it made a, it made a huge impact on me. If you've been to the Grand Canyon, you know, it's massive. It is absolutely crazy how big it is. It is 2,600, 2,600 feet deep. It is 277 miles long, and it's between 4 and 18 miles wide, depending on what point you're at. And yet the love of Jesus Christ is bigger than that. The love of Jesus Christ is wider than that. This is massive. The Grand Canyon is massive. And if you've been there, you know. You walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and it's almost overwhelming. But I want you to think about that feeling. And how the love of Jesus Christ is immeasurably more than that. It's immeasurably more than what we think of as kind of the biggest thing, or depending on who you talk to, the biggest hole in the United States. It's bigger. But Christ's love is even bigger than that. And that's what Paul is reminding us about. Verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this whole idea of the love that surpasses the knowledge. Because see, what we think about is we think about relationships that we have here on earth. And, and we think about people that we love here on earth and people that love us. And those are important relationships. I'm not downplaying that in any way, shape, or form. But it's nothing compared to the love that Jesus Christ has for you and I. And when we remember that, and when we focus on that, and when we let that fill us up, then we can have immeasurably more power. We can have immeasurably more of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we can have immeasurably more one day when this life is over. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, within us. He's talking about God. He's talking about how God has immeasurably more power. But see, we want to put God in a box. We want to say God can only do X, Y, and Z. And that comes to fruition in our prayer life. But Paul's reminding us that God can do anything. I saw a quote yesterday that really kind of stuck with me as I was working through my lesson again yesterday, kind of giving it a final run through. And it said, the only thing, the only prayer that God can't answer is one that is outside of his will. Let that sink in for just a second. The only prayer that God cannot answer is one that is outside of his will. 
So we can't be afraid to pray big prayers. We can't be afraid to ask God for the things that we need. Because when we say, I can't pray for that, we're putting God in a box. And we're saying, he, he can't really do anything. He can only do certain things. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't mean that all of our prayers get answered in the way we would like them to be answered. And thank God for that. But it means that he can do anything according to his will. So pray that big prayer. Ask for that thing that you need. Don't put God in a box. Pray big. Pray bold. Ask God. And if it's according to his will, he can deliver. I want to look at 1 John chapter 14 and 15 that Landon did such a great job reading for us earlier. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. Think about that for just a minute. Think about that for just a second. You get to talk to God. You get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And here's the kicker. He wants that too. See, God wants to hear from us. God wants to have a relationship with you. Not just when you need something. Not just when you're at the end of your rope. God shouldn't be our last resort. We go to God first. Think about people in your life. Do you have people in your life who only come around when they need something? You only hear from that person when they need something. They need a favor. They need you to do something for them. They need money. For those of you with kids, it's usually that they want money, right? That's not a relationship. That's a transaction. We don't want to be transactional with God. We want to be relational with God. And that's exactly what God wants for us. And you say, well, how do you know that? Let's look all the way back to Genesis. What was God's relationship with Adam and Eve? He walked with them. He talked with them. That was the relationship that God intended before we screwed it up. And he still wants that today. And no, we don't get to physically walk in the garden with him like Adam and Eve did. But he wants, he desires, his design was for that same type of relationship. And he still wants that today. And thankfully, we have a way to do that, and that's through prayer. We get to still talk to God. Verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. See, God hears our prayers. It's not always the answer that we want. It's not always in the timing that we want. But he hears us. And he's there. And he knows. And I love what verse 15 says. It simply says, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. See, God is powerful. And God wants you to be powerful. And God wants you to partner with him as we do this thing called life. He doesn't want you to do it alone. If he wanted you to do it alone, he'd have never given us the Holy Spirit. He'd have just said, I created it. You guys are on your own. Do your thing. But he didn't do that. He's active in our lives. He works in us through the Holy Spirit every single day. 
Let's go ahead and jump back to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to pick up verse 21. It says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's that throughout all generations. He wasn't just talking to the church at Ephesus. He was talking to me, and he was talking to you, and he was talking to the person sitting next to you. He's talking to all of us. See, see, the Bible is not just a history book. The Bible is not just something that we look back on and go, okay, that was something Paul said to them, but it doesn't really apply to me. This applies very powerfully to you and to me. But we have to be willing to spend the time to find it and to understand how it works in our lives. So what are those three things that Paul wanted for us? Strength. He wants us to have the strength. This life is not easy, right? We go through some troubled times. We go through some difficulties. We're never promised, hey, life's going to be all roses. It's going to be easy. You're just going to cruise through life, no problems, no cares in the world. That's not what God tells us. But what he does tell us is, I'm right beside you. I'm here for you, and I'm here with you. You're not alone. And that's that strength, right? That's that strength that we have through God is that we're not alone. We may feel like it sometimes, but we're never alone. And he wants us to know that. And he gives us the power to keep going. He gives us the power to keep plugging along. He gives us the power to get out of bed every morning, right? And face another difficult day. And that's the power that he wants us to have. Because he knew in his infinite wisdom that we can't and we shouldn't do this alone. Because we have God. And as we talked about last week, we have each other. We have the body of believers to lean on when we need one another. We have the body of believers that we can take and gain strength from and to gain power from. And most of all, he wants us to have Christ in our hearts, not just in our heads. Not just in our heads. Because what do we say? We say, oh, I know the Bible. I know what it says. And then what do we do? We go out and we do just the opposite. We go out and we do our own thing, right? Because we have this thing called free will. And God gave us free will because he didn't want a bunch of robots that just walked around and said, yes, God, whatever you say, God, I'll do exactly what you want, God. That's not what he wanted. He wanted a relationship. And he wanted believers that followed him because they loved him and because they wanted to follow him. Otherwise, he'd have never given us free will. But unfortunately, what happens when you get free will? You also go the other direction too. And we do silly things and we make mistakes every single day. But when we understand that Christ lives in us, that sin doesn't define us. That sin doesn't make us who we are. Who we are is Christians who are doing our best to follow Jesus Christ every single day. And yes, we make mistakes every single day, but God loves us enough to forgive us through his son, who he loved us enough to send to the cross so that we can have immeasurably more power. We can have immeasurably more 
strength and we can have immeasurably more of Jesus Christ in our hearts. But in order to do that, we've got to have room for God to be in our lives. We can't be so consumed with everything else that there's no room for more of Christ in our lives. We've got to make room for God. Just like how when we clean out our houses, right? We have to move the clutter and make room for other things. We've got to do the same thing in our hearts. We've got to get rid of some of that clutter. We've got to move some of that other stuff out so that God can give us immeasurably more of the things that he would have us to have. So, where do we go from there? The things I want you to remember is more of Christ in your heart. You know, as we get ready to move into this Thanksgiving season and things, seems like from here to like the end of the year, it's like somebody hits the fast forward button and it goes by really, really fast, right? But I want us to remember that as we're giving thanks this week, to be thankful that we have Jesus Christ. Be thankful that God loves us so much that he did something that most people would have never done, and that was he sent his son for you and me. Let's make sure that we're not just having a relationship with Jesus in our heads, but in our hearts. And maybe, maybe you get some time off around the holidays. Maybe you get some time off for Thanksgiving. You get some time off for, Christ, for Christmas. What a great time to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we're getting ready to start a new year. It's going to be, it's going to happen like we're going to blink twice and it'll be New Year's Day. What a great time to really sit back and evaluate. How's my relationship with Jesus Christ been this year? Did I pray like I know I should have? Did I trust in him like I knew I should have? Did I give him my time and talents like I know I should have? And maybe that answer is yes, and that's fantastic. But maybe that answer is, I could probably do better. Well, maybe this year, as you're sitting down and thinking about, what do I want to do differently in 2022? What do I want to do differently next year? What do I want to do better next year? Maybe it's your relationship with Jesus. What a great time to say, look, I need to refocus. I need to get back on track with the things I know I'm supposed to be doing. And I want to solidify my relationship with Christ. I want you to think about that as we head into this holiday season. There's so many opportunities this time of the year to help others, to give to others, to give of our time and our talents and our resources. And I want you to think about, are we bringing glory to God through this season? Or are we simply celebrating and giving gifts and hanging out and going to parties. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. But are we bringing glory to God in the holiday season? Because this is the one time of the year that everybody focuses on Jesus Christ. Even though some of them don't even realize it. But when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. And that's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about that as we move into this holiday season. Are there some things in my life that I need to move to the side so that I can have immeasurably more? Maybe you've never had the opportunity to be baptized. 
When we talk about these things that we want to receive more of, one of those things is the Holy Spirit. And see, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we not only get the gift of the remission of our sins, and we get the slate wiped clean, but we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had a chance to do that. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and sing another song, and you'll have an opportunity to come forward. And we'd love to talk to you about baptism. We'd love to baptize you for the remission of your sins. Or maybe, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, and you've just spent so much time chasing after the other things that you don't have room for immeasurably more. I want to invite you to come forward. Our elders will be down front along with myself. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. Um, and then last but certainly not least, we have decided to partner once again, as you know, with Oasis. And that is an after-school program down in Mexico. And we actually received a phone call from them this week because, as you know, uh, when our kiddos come up before they're dismissed at Children's Church, that money all goes to the Oasis program. And that has just been fantastic. It's been an ongoing partnership for couldn't even tell you how many years at this point. But they are getting ready to have their Christmas party. And they reached out to us and basically just said, hey, we don't have enough money uh, to make sure that all of these kids have a wonderful Christmas party with presents and food and all of the fixings. So we told them that we would be happy to partner with them along with uh, the Marguerite Christian Preschool here next door. They're also going to be partnering with us on this. And for $15, you can sponsor a child for their Christmas party. So I want to encourage you that if God places that on your heart, if that's something that you are able and willing to do, you can either go to our website under offering or you can go to the Easy Tithe app. And in the drop down, you will see Oasis. And I would love for you to just consider sponsoring one child, two child, however many children that you would like to sponsor. And it would mean the world to these kids. When we think of Christmas and, and guilty as charged, I think of all the presents that my kids get at Christmas time. And then I think about these kids who, who may not get anything or get very, very little. And what a great opportunity for us just to show the love of Christ to them. In the past years, we've done the shoeboxes and things like that, and our church has really stepped up with those shoeboxes to buy all of the supplies and to, to get the shoeboxes ready. But unfortunately, right now, it's really difficult to get things like that across the border, and it's just better for us this year to do that in a monetary way. We appreciate your time and efforts in the past years, but we need to step up in a monetary way this year so they can provide the gifts and the food and everything for the kids. So if that's something that you would consider, uh, please pray about that. We've got a couple weeks to raise that money. I think we've got till the second week of December uh, to get those funds down to the Oasis program. Uh, would you please uh, bow with me as we close in prayer? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Lord's Day. We thank you for this opportunity that we've given to just come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and just put the rest of the world out and focus on you. And Heavenly Father, help us just to make room for you. Help us to make room so that you can pour immeasurably more power, strength, spirit, and Jesus Christ into us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone here. We ask that you'll bless them this week and keep them safe. Most of all, we thank you for sending your son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory to in the
Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 